Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. the Cavs are set for a Saturday night meeting in Cleveland. So what better time than to have a crossover podcast between Locked On Bucks and Locked On Cavs because they also might be on a collision course for the postseason. For Cavs fans, for Bucks fans, we're going to find out a little bit more about these teams and also ask the question about net rating and where do these teams actually stand despite the standings right now. My name is Kane Pittman. I'm the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast alongside me, the host of Locked On Cavs. Chris Manning, not doing crossover podcasts for the first time, we should say that. But we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks or Locked On Cavs your first listen or first watch of every single day. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you go and do that on your audio platform or YouTube. It's free to do so and hit the notifications, particularly on YouTube, so you know when the latest episode drops. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com. Slash locked on NBA. Chris, what's going on? I said to you before we started, this must be a fun team to cover. The Cavs are flying right now. Yeah, they're in a little bit of a weird spot right now. I don't know if you caught or any of your listeners or viewers on the Buck side of things caught Wednesday's game for Cleveland and Milwaukee, but they had a a pretty bad meltdown in the last 20 something seconds of the game. Five second violations. I think not calling a timeout, just some some goofy stuff there, but they're good. And they I think they feel very much you know, in the in the discussion in the East to, to vary to varying degrees. And look, this game has stakes. I think when when I was prepping for our show, the thing that I think gets me the most kind of excited in some ways right now, aside from all the great players, and you know, look, I think we'll probably have both Giannis and Donovan Mitchell back from injury for this game. This game has real stakes. This is the fourth and final meeting between these two teams. If the Bucks win, they clinch the tiebreaker over Cleveland right now. That's a big deal. They'll be three and one against the Cavs in the year. If they're end up tied in this very tightly compacted two through five, that's a big advantage for them. The Cavs need to get this to kind of maybe keep those tiebreaker hopes alive and, and move on to the next category in that possible tiebreaker. Maybe it doesn't matter in the end. Maybe one of these teams finishes above the other and this is out of the equation, but like this is the final matchup of the season between these two teams that are not battling for the division as as little as division titles matter in the NBA, battling for a playoff position at least. This is this is fun. This is this has stakes, and I, it's fun to cover basketball with stakes more than covering basketball that just by this time of the year already kind of has no meaning for a lot of teams. Uh, please do not try and uh, limit or downplay the importance of the Bucks' last four Central Division titles. The banners are hanging in Fiserv Forum, and everyone is very, very excited about that. I actually remember the first time I was in the building, this was when I was still living in Milwaukee prior to COVID, when it was the 2018-19 season, Mike Budenholzer's first year, when they clinched the division, and they, they almost had like a little ceremony for the Central Division banner, because let's be honest, at that point in time, the Bucks hadn't won anything for a long, long, long time, and people were excited about that. And now it's like... Division title, no one gives a, a, a crap. Can you please just win yeah. a, another championship while Giannis is in his prime? 
Uh, let me ask you about Donovan Mitchell straight away, though, right off the top, because uh, the Bucks a couple of years ago had their all-in trade with Drew Holiday. And, and I think, you know, over the course of their careers with the All-Star stuff, all those types of things, Donovan Mitchell might be closer to a, a number one player than, than Drew Holiday is. But nonetheless, the Bucks won a title straight away. And that was a defining trade in the history of this franchise. Uh, how is this? I mean, clearly the results look good. Uh, but what were your thoughts at the time with the Donovan Mitchell trade? And then how has that played out in terms of how perfect it could have been? Because these teams are going all in, draft capital, players, uh, with these types of trades. So it's the one trade in the of the the three big all-in trades in the summer between DeJounte Murray to Atlanta, Rudy Gobert to, to Minnesota, and then mm. Mitchell to Cleveland. That has worked out. It is one of three that I think has really unilaterally, uniformly, 100% really worked out. I think that Donovan Mitchell is playing the best basketball of his career. I, I think this is a – he's gonna, probably going to be an all-star starter based on the, the latest fan return vote. He is, uh, I think, having an all-NBA season. He's never made an all-NBA team before, but like he's having a first or second team level all-NBA. Those guard spots are very, very competitive, but like he's going to be in that discussion at the end of the year if he keeps close to this level or, or keeps this exact level. The trade, I think, has aged like better than I would have thought, honestly, because he was not... If you, you can go back and listen or whatever and read some stuff I did, this was like a trade that I think makes a ton of made a ton of sense. And I got, I understood why you did it. It wasn't like the name. I hundred percent was like, okay, this, this is the perfect name to pair with Darius Garland, to pair with Evan Mobley, but it's like kind of proven to just be like a really, really clean fit in a lot of ways. And he's been incredible. He's bought in defensively, which is really the big thing. Hmm. And, and I don't look, I don't think the Cavs are going to get that title payoff in the way that the Bucks did with the Drew trade. I don't think they're there to kind of tin it kind of where we're going to go with our discussion later. But this team went from like a really fun, scrappy team last year to like, a team that should, I think, expect to win a first-round playoff series to to make some noise in the East to some degree, provided health and, and, and all of that. That is, for a team that has struggled for the last two decades without LeBron James, that's a big deal. And like they're on the path to something bigger as Moby grows, as Garland grows, as Mitchell remains in his prime. They're in a really good spot. It, it's a It's been a really, really great trade for them. Um, and... It's int- it. It would be interesting, just like if I honestly like. Sometimes I wish we could like. We sometimes we see the players like interviewing each other now. I would love to see like Kobe Altman and like the Bucks brand trust have like an on the record like conversation about like how you get through decisions to go all in on guards right. or go all in in these big trades because like it's very fun for fans. We know like the Woj bomb comes through or the sh- whatever the Shams like acronym is, and you get really excited. <laughs> And people, it's fun for us to go on a podcast and talk about it. And, like, there's an energy about those kind of moves. But, like, I'm sure for them it's both really exciting and both just, like, incredibly stressful. And I would, like, love to just see how they would kind of compare those two things because they're different spots. But very clearly we're just, like, it's time to go for it. And and there's something very bold and, and interesting about how teams can do that in different ways to me. Yeah, and then going back a couple of years ago, Giannis hadn't signed the contract extension at that time, so there was serious urgency. Now, it came very, very soon after. If the Bucs didn't make the trade, we know the Bogdan Bogdanovich stuff happened. It was it was messy around that time, and there's a lot of pressure on uh, these organizations. You mentioned that the expectation for the Cavs is to hopefully win a playoff series, which I think is obviously fair. They're 28 and 18 right now second-ranked defense, which is a pretty good formula for a, a really competitive team in the regular season. But 
the point that you made about the season series, I think is really valid because the one spot that, and maybe the Cavs and the Bucks would back themselves to get through a first round series regardless, but you don't want to find yourself in this four or five matchup. If you're one, two, three, you, you're probably in a pretty favorable matchup for the first round. You're feeling pretty good about it, regardless of who it is. And you've got home court. But this 4-5 situation when you've got Boston, like obviously Cleveland, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philly, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And that's why this matchup in particular can help. And we know the schedule stuff in the regular season means a lot. Cleveland are actually going to be playing Golden State the night before they play the Bucks. The Bucks would have had three nights off. How do you think that plays into things? Because when we look back at season series, we don't often go in depth into what the schedule stuff was looking like at the time. You're dead on right, I think, Kane, about the four five being in the four five range. Because if let's say you're let's say you're Cleveland and you end up four and you get Philly in round one, like that that in itself is challenging. That that is the team I would kind of feel most comfortable playing in that series. But like then in round two, you win that. You're probably getting the the Celtics at this rate, and like hmm. like the Celtics are going to be revolving favorites in that series. I think right now they feel like the the favorite in the East in a lot of ways. It's a it's a lot, and like I I think th- I'm curious to just see how the back to back stuff will affect Cleveland because there's there's this little weird wrinkle in it that Golden State is going to be on the second night of its own back to back come Friday. So like they're playing in Boston right now as we're recording this. They will be coming on the second of back-to-back. They made a starting lineup change in that game where they they pulled Kevon Looney. They went small with Jordan Poole in the starting lineup uh, with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond. And I'm curious to see like what kind of adjustments they will make. Do they rest anyone for that Friday game and just kind of take it off? Like I'm curious to see what that kind of looks like. That will have a big impact on Saturday. And but perhaps I mean perhaps the biggest impact of all is like okay, the Giannis is four games. And to me, that that hangs this over this game more than anything else because I think Donovan Mitchell is probably going to play Friday. If he doesn't play Friday, he's probably going to play Saturday with this groin injury he's been dealing with. He's upgraded the questionable for Friday. Giannis has not played four games. I if he comes back, that obviously just like the Bucks are a significantly better team with him. Like you feel much better if you're Cleveland if you get lucky and they rest Giannis and maybe they just give him a couple more days off and you could you, could, you know Drew and, and Brooke and all those guys will put up a fight. But it's just not, and you. But avoiding Giannis is just such a coup for you if you can get it, and that, and if that gives you the luck you need to get out of four five or get a tiebreaker or whatever, that that's a big deal. And I, that's where I wonder if, like, if Giannis is a hundred percent good to go or close to it, th- like there's stakes in this game, and you know, you know better than me. The Bucks feel like they're kind of still figuring stuff out in a lot of ways right now. Yeah, I want to ask you about where you see the Bucks right now because. You know, it's interesting. We look at the standings, they're 29 and 16, they're second in the East, but it doesn't really feel like they've got out of first gear. They haven't had a lot of things go right um, from a health perspective. So I'm curious uh, how you feel about where the Bucks stand uh, right now. Can I throw to you, Chris? Can I throw to you for uh, some potential support for our friends over at LinkedIn? 100%. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, Every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add your job and then the hashtag purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
This is why leading small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedInMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedInMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Chris. So where do you think the Bucks are at? Uh, I'm curious because there seems to be from a, a broader perspective, and I don't know whether you fall into this uh, category, but there seems to be kind of a nonchalance around the Bucks. Eh, they're fine. They're fine. They'll, they'll be they'll be okay once the postseason comes around. And I think part of that comes from familiarity uh, with this group and how long they've been in that kind of contending pack. Where do you see the Bucks? I tend to be in there as well, just because the track record is there, right? Like, Brooke Lopez is playing. You have Brooke Lopez. Like, I love the Joe Ingles signing. You know, you have Drew, who is like one of my absolute favorite players in the league. I know he can do some crazy things sometimes, but like, I, I love Drew. And then you have, and most importantly, you have Giannis. You have, at worst, like the second or third best player in the world, perhaps the best player in the world right now. He is an unbelievable player. I, I think, Kane, the only the concern that I have is like Chris Middleton based. That that is it because he is really important to what they do. I like you can get good minutes out of Grayson Allen, you know you can get really good minutes out of out of Ingles and and if he can just stay healthy and and kind of fit in, like he's going to do positive things for you. But they don't really have anyone else in their team that can really provide what Middleton provides, and he diversifies the offense. Like the thing that stood out to me the last time I saw the Bucks in person, last time the two teams played, was how much Giannis just was like going like it was so much downhill Giannis it was so much Giannis trying to like force the issue a little bit and I think like the Bucks are the best when he he gets to do different things when he gets to screen when he gets to to, to just be a little bit less kind of ball dominant and just trying to sledgehammer his way into the lane for buckets Middleton is like the guy that unlocks so much of that for them so I like if he's healthy I just kind of think they'll be fine I know their offensive rating has been like pretty bad for most of the year and like it's, they, it's <laughs> like they're, they're in a funk in that way but like I would trust that if Middleton is right, that that gets figured out, and like you get to the playoffs, and it's like, okay, like it wouldn't surprise me if they go to the finals. Like they were my preseason pick in the East to make the finals, and I would feel confident in that still if Middleton's right. But if he's not right, then like I think that just changes my calculus about where this team is going. So the February nine trade deadline is going to be interesting as well, and I generally agree with you with the Chris Middleton stuff, but we just don't know, and that's been the hard part about this. There's no indication. There's been some thoughts or perhaps ideas put out there that he may return for this game against Cleveland on Saturday night. We will see. Uh, the Bucks practiced earlier today as we're recording this on Thursday, and Bud said that Chris Milton had a day off. It was a scheduled day off. So who knows? There's still two days before this game. Maybe Chris Milton returns. He hasn't played since December 16. And between Giannis, Chris, and Drew Holiday, they've played five games together this season in a total of 69 minutes. And, uh, Contrary to popular opinion, that's not nice. But Chris Milton, 38 games out. Joe Ingles, 32 games out. Holiday's missed 11. Giannis has missed 10. And Connaughton, Pat Connaughton has missed 16. All those guys sort of fit in your top seven or eight. So I know every team has injuries. It's it's 2023. Guys are missing games. But that's a pretty serious injury toll for where they at least are in the standings. But you know, they, they ran it back. They brought all the same guys back. And part of the concern that I've sort of lent into the last couple of weeks is when you've been good for so long and you've got the same guys in the regular season every single year, there is kind of a nonchalance or a complacency about, eh, it's the regular season, we think we can just turn it on at the end of the year. And then sometimes you find yourself 
in these funks, particularly when you are missing some key players as well. What do you think the Cavs are going to do at the trade deadline? Are they going to do anything? Because when I look at the roster and you kind of hinted to it, you've got Garland, you've got Mitchell, the potential all-star backcourt. You've got Mobley, you've got Allen. They're, they're your two bigs. I'm not sure how you feel about how those two fit in a potential playoff series against a team like Boston or Milwaukee across seven games together on the floor. But as we said, the Cavs have been elite defensively. But it does feel like in an era where everyone wants to have wings and six, seven, six, eight guys, there there is a gap there. Is that how you feel? What What's the general consensus around what this team is going to do in the roster construction? Real quick, before we answer that, what would you trade for if you're the Bucks? Would it Would it be like the like a light version? Would it be the Crowder thing? Like, what would you do? I don't think I would go for Crowder because I, I don't. Crowder just first of all hasn't played. He hasn't excited me all yeah. year. He's he, he's not that good of a shooter. <laughs> He's also no. older, and this is an old Bucks team. And mm-hmm. I think they've got a lot of size. When you look at if, you, if Middleton gets back, then, you, then you've got Ingles. Giannis plays the four, which, by the way, is Jay Crowder's preferred position. So right. the, you can play small ball stuff, but I just don't think there's a lot of minutes there. If I'm the Bucks, I'm looking for another guard. And the obvious guy that keeps being brought up in trade talks because of the $10 million contract plus some perhaps defensive issues against a, a team like Boston because of the size is Grayson Allen. So if you're trading Grayson Allen, who's been a major rotation player for this team, then I think you need to bring in a guard. So uh, the guys that have been thrown up there, obviously there was talks about both Bogdanovich uh, players there, but you know I don't know whether the Bucks had the assets to do that, you know, potentially Jordan Clarkson, these types of guys. So it would be a guard for me. Yeah, I think that feels right. So on the Cleveland side, they need stretch. They need horizontal stretch in in the worst way um i don't really have any concerns about mobley and allen in in a playoff series just because i think like they will be able to switch and mobley is like an absolute alien and like you're going to get beat sometimes and like tatum and these guys are going to go off but like i i feel like they can acquit themselves very well in that series Mm -hmm. i don't really have concerns there um, I the concern is like okay like is your spacing going to be there enough and like I I don't know what the trade is they've been linked to Malik Beasley they've been linked to Tim Hardaway Jr. Neither of those trades like super moves the needle for me I would think I would prefer Beasley of the two and, they, and they, it's also worth noting they don't have like a ton to trade like their best their trade assets are like Karis LeVert and some second round picks if they want to do an expiring deal. You could do Jetty Osmond and Dylan Windler for like a lesser expiring deal and some second round picks, but like they can't trade a first until draft night. And they traded for Donovan Mitchell. Like that's that's the price mm-hmm. you pay for going to get Donovan Mitchell, and like that trade is worth it. But they could use some stretch. And like I would I would like feel better about them in a playoff setting if they just had like one one stretch kind of guy on the wing that they could have. Like if and if they could find like just uh, an upgrade on the Jetty minutes, they could turn Lavert into someone else because with Rubio back, like Lavert's role is just a little less clear to me. I I think if they could just find the right shooter, it would make some sense. Like Doug McDermott, I think could make some sense to me for to get him from San Antonio, but we'll see. I the mark I have a very hard time Kane for Cleveland for Milwaukee for everyone. I don't know what the market is going to look like and that really complicates this as well. I keep seeing like what the Raptors want for their guys. And like I could see like the Cavs like being like okay, like maybe we go after Gary Trent Jr. because like we need the shooting and the defense and stuff. Like they want like multiple picks or like a good young mm-hmm. player for like likely an expiring contract. Like the values on guys right now seem crazy and that complicates everything. Like it wouldn't shock me if ultimately like they mix do like a very small move, but don't do anything drastic just because the market feels kind of crazy right now. 
It's interesting that you say that because clearly the market has been heavily distorted by trades like Drew Holiday and Rudy Gobert, maybe less so Donovan Mitchell, in all honesty. And and to be fair, like I mean, Utah got some handy players. We can we could get into that if you want, but like they're they're doing fine, even though they lose, you know, the franchise guy. So uh, yeah, it, it's tough to predict. The one thing I, that I've mentioned, and perhaps you all listeners have forgotten about this a little bit, going back to the Bucks championship year, they traded for PJ Tucker, and and leading up to that trade deadline uh, the bucks were in the mix they reported that they were interested but i just could not figure out how they were going to get pj tucker because they just didn't have any assets that i thought were intriguing they ended up trading dj wilson who was not playing for the bucks dj augustine who had a, a really bad contract and it was a mistake in free agency and then they essentially traded a first round pick and and got the Houston Rockets second. So there was about seven picks difference, seven or eight picks difference there. And they got a, a genuine difference maker uh, that helped them win a title. So I, I don't know. I, I also agree with you. The Bucks don't have a lot. They've got a 2029 first round pick, which is obviously scary to, to dangle out there. And is that even worth it at this point in time? People have uh, differing views there. So I don't know, but you can be surprised sometimes. Uh, sometimes these trades go through and you just ask yourself, how was that value even possibly worthwhile i think the bogdanovich trade at the start of the year goes to detroit people looked at and said how does that happen and now all of a sudden detroit want a first round pick or multiple first for bogdanovich so it's a weird time of year chris 2029 feels so far away it's well and then you remind yourself actually (laughs) it's coming it's coming up pretty quick yeah it's like relatively pretty quick and this is like in reference to like you know like obviously the lakers 2029 pick is like one of the most like talked about like trade assets but like it's just like like the the league think about how different the league will look by 2029 you know like think about like 2029 is like victor woman yama will have been in the league for like five years at that point or like six years at that point yeah i mean 25 like that that feels like so far away to me that's i don't know how you even like properly like evaluate that like if you're the bucks like yes like you want to maximize Giannis, and i understand if you're like a fan you're just like give me like the best chance to win titles with Giannis. but if you're like the brain trust in milwaukee it's like i don't 2029 like what's like how do you i don't even know how you properly like evaluate a pick out that far that just feels like insane to me well you can't but if you think i mean this is very (laughs) clearly what you do if you think that you've got a difference maker and can win you a title this year and potentially next year you're telling other teams hey 2029 Giannis might not even be here anymore we will be a we will be a a, an awful basketball team in 2029 so you should take this pick and then you hope that you sign him again and you're still contending and that pick is 25 26 whatever so yeah i know it's a fascinating time Uh, let's talk about built bar and next we're going to get to some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference because you just mm-hmm. said something about the Cavs when it comes to spacing, which I find very interesting about another team that's contending in the Eastern Conference. So if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. Uh, we just got through the holidays, and if your goal is to eat a little healthier this year, I've got a good idea for you. You can eat healthier but also eat something that is delicious and tasty, and actually you'll just be sitting back and wondering how uh, this is actually supposed to be good for you, and that's Built Bar. They're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond as well. I'm not really sure how they do it, but there's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you can go to built.com and order your built bars, which is still a traditional method. And uh, that's how I go about my business. But uh, if you're living over there in the US, you can go to Sam's Club or Walmart as well and just pick yourself up a 13 box 
of Built Bars and uh, take it home straight away. Not Probably finish it within an hour, then go straight back and get yourself another box. So check out Built Bar or go to Built.com if you're more of a traditionalist. But uh, Built Bar, what a fantastic product that is, Chris. Uh, you said something about spacing with the Cavs, which I, I, mm-hmm. I found fascinating. And we're going to get into some of the other contenders. And I think you've got some net rating numbers that you want to go through yeah. uh, here in this segment. So is it, if I look at the basketball reference page of the Cavs right now, between Mobley and Allen, they're attempting 1.3 three-point attempts per game. <laughs> Evan Mobley is attempting 1.1 per game at the uh, kind of frosty three-point percentage of 19.1%. So that it, it's interesting. How can you survive in 2023 with two guys, two big guys, that are just not a threat at all on the perimeter, particularly against a Bucks team that wants to protect the paint and they, they don't give a stuff what you're doing out there on the three-point line or, or with those two guys? Because it does remind me a little bit of Brooklyn. What do they do with Claxton and, of course, our Aussie friend uh, Ben Simmons? So on top of that, I, I if I'm correct, Evan Mobley has not made a three since December 12th. So we're like over a month. It was a while of, ago. It's, it's, you know, it's literally last year. Um, <laughs> it's tricky. Like, I, I think they've been over, over, have been able to overcome it, you know, by splitting them. I think the, 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 the vertical spacing of Jared Allen is a really big deal. I think Donovan Mitchell has just is so good, and Darius Garland is so good that they can overcome some of that. Mm-hmm. They, they've also been getting, I think, just enough from some of their wings at times. Like, Isaac Okoro has had a very pretty solid, like, last several months, I think, and especially of late has played really well. Um, his numbers on the year are not good, but you you take out like his like the opening cold start to the year, he's like around league average from three and like up like thirty eight percent on corner threes. Like he's been good. Like Rubio is going to come back and help some of that. I they, they it's tight. I think certainly like in the playoffs, it's going to feel even more cramped. But they they do just enough, and Mitchell is so good. I think in particular, and has been so dynamic, and has just kind of just been insane. Honestly, just playing at an insane level that like they are they have enough to kind of. You know, like their offense isn't great. It's like outside the top ten, um, per clean the glass. And like this is the defense first team, but they do enough. Like the model of this team is let's do enough on offense and let's be really, really good on defense. And that has that that was the case last year, and it's it's that's the case now working this year. Is Kevin Love good? Not right now. Not right now. He is dealing with his thumb injury. He is like absolutely horrendous from three in twenty twenty three. Um, he's been hurt for a while now and it's just like not looked right. I kind of think they're at a point where like maybe he just needs to sit and get healthy and just see if you can get the thumb right. They really miss Dean Wade. who has been out with a shoulder injury now for like four or five weeks um, and could have maybe taken some of the pressure off Love to play. Love is good. He was having like a really good start to the year, but this thumb injury has completely derailed him. He was like a legit six man of the year candidate this year. He was on that pace to start the year in my mind. And then the thumb injury has like just completely derailed him. And like again, there's there's probably questions about what he looks like in a playoff series as well. But it's especially now that he's 34, and there were questions about him in his prime when the Cavs won a title. But the the trickiest thing is just the thumb. And if that doesn't get healthy and his shooting doesn't kind of normalize to what he should be, then like he's not going to be good. And then then that's a problem. So last one before, I'll throw it to you for this. And we're going long, which, of course, we knew we were going to do. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Kevin Love, where is he on the 
um, what's the right word for this? How, how do Cavs fans feel, you know, big picture about? Is he loved? Because I know they went through this period where he signed the contract. He mm-hmm. was going to be traded. Maybe he didn't want to be there. Uh, where does he sit in the overall uh, picture when it comes to Cavs fans? The I think the vibe shift with him has been pretty drastic. Yeah. So. I think Kevin Love, when he signs the extension, and then like a year not long after, like I remember like watching like an ESPN thing where Woe just talking about they're trying to trade him, and it was like Kevin wants out. I think he wanted out. I think he was not happy here with with how bad they got and just how things kind of fell off the rails. But he got his money, and I think figured he could get traded, and then he couldn't because he was getting hurt, and and that's just like a ton of money for Kevin Love at that point, and you know, good for him, secure that back. But yeah, I I think now that is completely turned around. He has been. He's embraced his bench role. He has embraced kind of everything they've asked of him. Um, he has settled into a role. There are sometimes like we'll do mailbag questions for the pod, and like we'll have people ask like, "Hey, should they turn his contract into two other players, or use him to go get someone else?" And in a cold world, I think that's like not an unrealistic thing. Like, I you absolutely could see, you know, teams exploring that. It wouldn't surprise me if they've had a meeting on that, right? But like. It's at the same time, it's he's, I think, pretty beloved. And I think he's been sneakily important. He was really, really vital to them last year. And I think the best version of them this year has a Kevin Love who is helpful. And what that means for the future is a complicated question because he will be a free agent. He's also in his mid-30s. Like, there's not a ton of, like, you're not going to have Kevin Love for the whole duration of of what you have here. But he's really important right now. Uh, And I think he's kind of gone back to being a a really beloved guy, part of that 2016 team. He's the last guy around. And he, Mm. I I think, has really kind of reestablished himself as a guy people really like, even though right now he's in an absolute funk. Yeah, it's crazy. He's in his ninth season. I mean, he's just been there a a long, long time. All right, what are you thinking about this? uh, the rest of the contenders in the East? All right, so let's, let's run through this very quickly. Uh, here, here are the, according to cleaning the glass, which is Ben Falk's site. This factors out garbage time for people that are listening or watching and don't know. Here's how they have the net ratings for the five top five teams in the East. So Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philly, and Brooklyn. Boston is plus 7.6 per hundred possessions. That's first overall in the NBA. Next up in the East are the Cavs. They are plus four per hundred possessions. That's fourth overall in the league. Philly this caught me. This surprised me a little bit. It's, it's fifth overall at plus three point seven per hundred possessions, third and third among teams in the East. Brooklyn is fourth among teams in the East and sixth overall. They're plus three point six per hundred possessions. Milwaukee is at tenth overall, fifth among these teams, plus two per hundred possessions. So, Ken, I, I I bring this up because I think that sort of reflects like the standings pretty accurately. Boston feels like right now to me, they're. I don't know if we'll see if they they be golden state or whatever but they are like well they've kind of pulled a little bit ahead of late among the rest of these teams it feels like right now they're the the favorites to win the top seed in the east and that leaves cleveland milwaukee philly and brooklyn all to battle it out for two for two through five with who gets two and three being in a in a much better position than the teams at four and five will then have to face each other but I ask you, how, does, does how those teams stack up in terms of net rating, which to repeat is Boston, then Cleveland, then Philly, then Brooklyn, then Milwaukee. Do, does that order reflect how you feel about these teams in terms of their, their hierarchy when the chips are all down and we're kind of analyzing championship contenders in the East? I For most of the season, I've had Boston and Milwaukee as the two teams that I think are the best in the conference with Brooklyn as a pretty major wildcard Depending on 
you know, they've got some contracts that the Nets can make a move uh, as well, and potentially they will. But overall, I had them as a wild card because of the, yeah, the natural unpredictability of what the hell is going to happen next with the Nets, right? Yeah. Uh, the Cavs, it's interesting that you said earlier in the podcast that you thought maybe it was a bit early for them to win a title. And it's always fascinating to me. And we always slip into this idea that, well, you've got to have a run. You've got to have a postseason run. It's the first year with Donovan Mitchell. They've got a bunch of young guys. It does feel like maybe it's a little bit too early, but they've got a, a top, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, if things will move and change a little bit, but, you know, a top three defense, which, you know, that that can get the job done in the postseason. Uh, the net rating stuff, particularly with the Bucks, I mean, you pointed to it. They've been, uh, only a week ago, they were like 24th in offense and I think 22nd in half-court offense. I mean, they've been absolutely dreadful and carried by their, their defense. So it's not a surprise that their net rating is not great. But again, I think once they get all their guys healthy, and if they do get all their guys healthy, then I don't think that's very reflective of where they sit. And you're just going to have teams like Boston, lost in the NBA Finals last year. Mm-hmm. They're extremely motivated. Jason Tatum's played 43 games. Brown's played 40. Marcus Smart has played 39. They've just been really, really healthy with their best players outside of uh, Robert Williams. So that all plays a factor. So I don't know. I, I'm more skeptical on Philadelphia. I think the Cavs are more real than the Sixers. I think they're more of a concern than the Sixers. The Nets are a wild card. But I, I've still got Boston and Milwaukee as the two best teams, if healthy, all things considered, at the end of the year. Where, where do you sit? Like, what, what do you look at, particularly for the Cavs? Mm-hmm. And you look at that, and the numbers all suggest that they should be a team that is right in the mix. Mm-hmm. I go that I go this order. Boston is one. Milwaukee is two with an asterisk. Just because the Middleton thing that we talked mm-hmm. about is is a concern. Very fair. But like I would I would say them two. I have Cleveland three. Yep. I have the Nets three A mm-hmm. and I have Philly five. So why the Nets three A? Let me just let me just jump it's in Kevin because Dur- you, it's, it's Kevin Durant. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's yeah. Kevin Durant. Because like that yeah. guy might have been the MVP before he got hurt. Right. How well he was playing was unguardable for any team in the East. Just entirely unguardable for anybody. Like, I don't know how Cleveland would have had a hope of, like, th- like you would have thrown all these things at him. Evan Mobley might have had to spend a whole game just marking him and trying his best to do it. And it might not have been enough because he was playing just an insane level of basketball. And I kind of think that guy, with the shooting they have, if Joe Harris and Seth Curry can kind of just, like, normalize and stop playing the weirdness, if Kyrie just doesn't do something insane for the rest of the season... If Ben Simmons like shoots and takes free throws, like that team is just gonna be like really good. And Jock Vaughn has done an incredible job, I think, with that team. Like that he has done enough with that team where like he's probably in the coach of the year discussion, which like is crazy considering he, he was like an, an in season appointment after Steve Nash was let go. But like they were that good and it's just it's Durant. Like he the the level he was playing was just obscene. And if he comes back from his injury and is playing at that level, like it's it's hard for me not to like put them like like maybe at three. I, th- I think it's interesting that we both have Philly kind of like a little bit lower. They're, they're third among these teams in net rating just by a hair over Brooklyn. Like they have been playing, I think, really well of late. When I've been thinking th- of them through like a Cleveland context, and let's say Cleveland gets them in a four or five, that's the series if I'm Cleveland, if I am in the four or five, that's the one I would want. Because I feel like I would feel pretty comfortable as much as Embiid is going to have like probably put up monster numbers no matter who you have. I think defensively, like, Harden and Maxi needing to be on the court together, particularly late in games. Like I think Garland and Mitchell would absolutely like shred that up 
And I think Mitchell has done enough this year defensively and put in the effort where like, I'm not as worried about him repeating what he did against Dallas last year in that context. So like, I just look at those two guys playing defense together. And I think, I think that's a liability if we're stacking them up against the best teams in the East, but like, it's also like Joel and beats are like, I think all of these teams are just awesome. And like, I, it's it's we're picking nits I think to separate them aside from the fact that I think right now Boston is number one and I don't think that's even like a discussion yeah I think the Celtics are pulling away outside of having any health stuff yeah I think they've probably got the number one seed locked up I, th- I think most people feel that way uh, I will say the danger for the Bucks is as I pointed to they're kind of coasting they've kind of been coasting all year now some of that has been out of their hands again with the health stuff but you know, if they don't figure it out and if they do somehow slip and they end up in that four seed, there's a great point you made. Not only do you have a difficult first round series, but you've got Boston probably waiting uh, in the second round and all of a sudden mm-hmm. your path to the title is pretty damn scary. And right now, as we record this, there's only a game and a half between second and fifth. So that, that I mean, those positions are going to change multiple times, you would think, throughout uh, the rest of the season. So it's fascinating. It's fascinating. The Bucks are in a holding pattern. Um, it probably feels like it's a more enjoyable season for you watching the Cavs and uh, the Donovan Mitchell and everything that's going on. I, Bucks I, got fans. To, I got to watch Donovan Mitchell score 71 in person. That is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my entire life, Kane. I, I like, un, it was unreal. Like, this is, it's fun and it's fun. Good basketball is very, very fun. Wait, just wait till the Cavs get to their fourth or fifth year of being pretty good. And <laughs> look, I mean, you've been there. Look, you've been look, there. Look, I, I, I will never in my life forget watch the last LeBron year, them like going to seven games in round one against the Indiana Pacers and LeBron having to like duke it out with Bojan Bogdanovic in the post for them to advance. I've, I've seen some stuff, you know. Once you see that, it's like I, that's that's malaise. There's no more malaise than the, the 2017-18 last ride LeBron James Cavs. Good Lord, that team did not care. It's a long regular season, but we have some fun moments. We get to watch Giannis as well, which is good fun. And I got Joe Ingles on the team. I'm loving life lo- right lo- now. He's playing lo- good basketball. Love Joe Ingles. Love. Uh, I'm hoping. I don't know if you saw the video, but I'm hoping we get uh, Robin Lopez mic'd up again on Saturday, oh so he can God. troll his brother, just like harassing, complaining to the refs about his brother. We need more of that. Um, I want to ask you one last thing before we go. Still. You look at you look at the teams outside the top five, so yeah. like Miami, the Knicks, Atlanta. Is there any one of those teams that you feel like could have a puncher's chance against this top five? No. Yeah, I'm the same way. Unless there's a trade. Yeah, Miami's always a team to watch. Kyle Lowry yeah. looks like he's probably done and dusted. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine the Knicks are going to do anything crazy, but it's the Knicks. So yeah, those are the teams... Yeah, probably Miami. I mean, Miami's the team that stands out to me. Will they do anything? I think the Raptors are probably going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think so. But I could have a different opinion after Feb nine. Yeah, Jimmy. I seeing Jimmy Butler in a playoff series is always just going to be a pain. So like that, that would yeah. kind of be my default answer. But Toronto would have maybe been my answer. But like I feel, I like it seems like they're going to, and I feel like they should just kind of probably like blow it up and like, but like that's a team. Like if the Cavs had seen them, they're the Raptors are three and zero against Cleveland this year. Like that would have been, like, could have had just some some intrigue as like a first round thing if it would have went that way. But like they're eleventh right now, and it feels like they should kind of. But but I think of those teams, it's it's got to be Miami. Like if I if whoever gets it, let's like let's say Atlanta's like the seven seed, and like mm. the Bucks are second. You're 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 thrilled. <laughs> you're you're absolutely thrilled to, to for that series if you're the Bucks. Like that that's a massive win for you. Yeah, I don't think there's anything crazy going on in the first round between these teams. I think from the second round on, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. 
which I can't wait for. And and by the way, it'll come around uh, pretty quickly. Uh, can't I'm wait. sure about that. Uh, make sure you subscribe, as I said at the start, and listen to Locked On Cavs and, of course, Locked On Bucks. And particularly after this game, well, it's a weekend game. I don't know if I'm going to do a show. I don't know if you're doing a show, Chris, but we'll figure it out. But either way, make sure you listen to both of these podcasts throughout the season because there is a fair chance that these two teams might meet in the postseason. The other thing you should do is check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast. You can get that on your Locked On NBA feed. And I have people like myself and Chris will give the game recaps. And if you're like me, you can't keep your eyes on every game across the NBA. So just a quick listen. Go to the Game to Game podcast and you'll get a quick recap from all the local experts across the network. Uh, Chris, it's always a pleasure. I, I think that you're probably number one in my uh, volume of crossover podcasts. No, this is a pleasure. I always love when I get the the cane DM and it's like, let's do a pod. I'm like, let's go. It's going to be a good time. So thanks for, Man, thanks for one time. This. I'm pretty sure one time we did a George Hill podcast. So, we, you know, look, we, we... Look. <laughs> look, man, five days a week means we're going to do some weird stuff. You know, that's right. we're going to right. we're going to talk about George Hill for like 30 minutes. That's OK. You know, the people love it. The people love it. They do. And George still on the box. Shout out to him. He's yeah. chasing that uh, elusive title. All right, let's wrap it up. As I said, uh, you can catch Chris on Twitter, CWM writes myself on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Uh, and whether it's a locked on Cavs or locked on Bucks, we'll be with back with a podcast after the weekend.